Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL, college football, and fantasy coverage that you can find anywhere. And today's Thursday, where I'm going to be doing, I think, from here on out, on Thursdays, I'm going to dedicate to Green Bay's offense against the opponent, and then Fridays will be Green Bay's defense against the opponent. And I will get into a couple things here shortly including Jacksonville's plan against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers special teams against Jacksonville. But first, first down, and it'll be Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, and where they stand headed into week one. We had the Packers assistant coaches on Wednesday night, and they, you know they, they basically all said the same thing, and they said what you'd expect. Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson are right on track. Remember, they've, they've practiced together, so will be their third week of practice, but they had no preseason reps, and they haven't played in a game since August of 2015, and you know, you know, even Rodgers played two series and threw nine passes in the preseason. So, but you know, everyone says they're exactly where you want them to be. Alex Van Pelt, the Green Bay Packers quarterbacks coach, said it's looked exactly what you expected from guys who've worked together for a long time. It's like riding a bike; it doesn't take long to remember how to do it. You know, like I just mentioned a minute ago, Nelson hasn't played in a game since hurting his knee in August 2015. I get I get this a lot, and you know, feel free to email me, everyone, at, at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com, and I'll try to either answer either answer your questions via email or here on the podcast. A lot of questions, though. How's Jordy looked? How's Jordy looked? Well, this is a different time of year. For, we get to see all of the training camp practices, and you know, Nelson's first week of practice, he didn't do much. The second week of practice, he had a really good. You know, they practiced twice. He had a really good first day where he caught three passes against Sam Shields. Um, and did some live stuff. Um, but this week, we don't get to see hardly anything. It's a lot of jogging through plays and and stuff. So, you know, the, a lot of the stuff is hidden from us before we get to leave. So I, I, do, I don't have an answer for it. And, I mean, that's really the million-dollar question, right? Is, is, is Jordy Nelson ready to go after eight practices and, and no game action? Is he ready to go? Uh, you know, I asked wide receiver Luke Getze that last night, and he said, quote, I think he looks pretty sharp. He jumped back in very well, and he's done a nice job the last couple of weeks getting himself in pretty good shape, too. It's been hot and humid here, especially in the indoor, too. So it's been a good test for him, and he's responded really well so far. So again, we know, like I said, Nelson's had eight practices, and it's obviously it's not an ideal way to get back. And you know, I think Nelson, when we talked to him way back in, in March, you know, his goal is to be ready for training camp, and as you know, you know, it wasn't the surgically repaired right knee, but it was the left knee that where he had the, quote, hiccup um, before the start of camp. And, you know, that, that shut him down until late in the camp. And it's, it's not exactly the way that Nelson would have drawn this up, but it's the, the hand that he's been dealt, and he's trying to make the try to make the best out of that. He said, going through camp and everything would have prepared me better, but that's not the situation I've been put in. I think going out there today, I was in the meetings, I was at practice, I ran routes, so I don't feel like I'm behind. 
Would it have been better going through camp? Yeah, probably. It wouldn't have hurt, but I'm not worried about it. I don't think anyone in this locker room is worried about it. I don't think anybody in this building is worried about it. We'll be ready to go. You know, and beyond Nelson here, this is going to be a really good challenge for, for Green Bay's offense, especially their passing offense. Last year, Jacksonville ranked 31st in scoring and 29th against the pass. It was, it was a terrible, terrible unit, you know, especially for Coach Gus Bradley, who came from C, came for as the uh, Seattle's former defensive co- coordinator. This is not obviously what he had thought of, but there's been a major personnel shakeup. Let's look at the secondary. Devon House is in his second year, the, the former Packer corner. And they signed Prince of Mukamura away from the Giants, a veteran cornerback. And they used their t- first round pick, number five overall, on Jalen Ramsey. Now, Ramsey might be the Jaguars' top corner, even, even as a rookie. But House, House has turned to a heck of a player. And he showed that at times in Green Bay. He just was unable to put it together, whether, whether it was. You know, the depth chart and, you know, there's some talented guys in his way or, you know, had some very poorly timed injuries, including in the 2014 preseason after he'd, he had won a starting job. Then he ends up hurting his shoulder and, and missing half the season. So I kind of doomed that. And, you know, in four years, the Packers, I think he started 14 games. But last year he started all season for Jacksonville and he, and he broke up 23 passes, a franchise record and third most in the league. So a heck of a good player. Um, Aaron Rodgers during his conference call with Jacksonville's reporters, which my Locked On Jaguars colleague Ryan O'Halloran sent me last night. Rodgers in his conference call of House said, quote, I think we know how competitive he is in his ability. He's played really well there, continues to improve. He was a younger player with us, and now he's settled in as a very solid veteran player. He looks like everything they were hoping they'd get with him. A guy that you can do some slot coverage with, and you can travel both sides, and makes a lot of plays in the ball. He's playing really, really well. It'll be interesting to see who Green Bay puts on Nelson. Will it be Ramsey, who you know has got you know 6'1", he runs sub 4'4", four, 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 he got all the tools in the world, or will it be House, who he's got experience against Nelson, and you know not not that he was a Nelson stopper per se at practice, but you know he had about he had about as much success as anyone did against Nelson. And I remember Joe cornerbacks coach Joe Witt pointing that out a few years ago. You know, he's, he's the one, he gives you confidence because he played against Nelson so well. So it'll be interesting to see if those two go at it on Sunday. On to second down and that'll be Jacksonville's defense against Aaron Rodgers. You know, I hit on this a bit a moment ago and I did a little bit in the podcast earlier in the week. Jacksonville's defense has, looks a whole lot different from last year's group, which ranked like I mentioned in the second, thirty-first in points, and I mean, they, you name the category, they were they were either mediocre or terrible at it. Well, this is not that defense anymore. They drafted cornerback Jalen Ramsey in the first round, linebacker Miles Jack in the second round, and a good pass rushing defensive end from Maryland, whose name I won't even try to pronounce. In the third free agency, they signed defensive tackle Malik Jackson to a billion-dollar contract to get him away from Denver. Um, cornerback Prince and more away from the Giants. Safety Tayshawn Gibson away from the Browns. Those guys are part of a $220 million free agent facelift for this team. And then back is last year's first-round pick, defensive end Dante Fowler, who missed the entire season with a torn ACL. So I just gave you seven names, seven, that seven players who did not play on this defense last year. I mean, that, that is a big-time personal change with, with good players and you know, as I mentioned, you know, Gus Bradley cut his teeth as a defensive coordinator at Seattle. So, obviously a very good coach, and he knows what good defense looks like. For Bradley, there are two sticking points coming in this game. 
One is not being drawn offside by Aaron Rodgers' cadence. Now, maybe being this a home game, and it's probably going to be a split crowd, but maybe being a home game, this won't be quite the issue. But it's still worry, Bradley. And he told his guys to, you know, if he gets you offside, you know, don't let that slow you down. It seemed like Bradley was perfectly willing to take the occasional offside penalty in exchange for, you know, not sitting back on your heels. And, you know, it's, he'd rather have some overly aggressive five-yard penalties than the alternative. And number two, and this is what, you know, what every defensive coach against, against Rodgers has to figure out is how do you rush him? Now, with most quarterbacks, you want to rush him and, and rattle him and, you know, have him try to make some bad decisions. But, I mean, as we've seen with Rodgers for years and years, you know, Rodgers is almost at his best when there's pressure because he gets out of the pocket and extends plays and turns into a scramble drill where he and his receivers have such great rapport. And obviously there's a lot of talent there too that eventually with enough time, Rodgers, Rodgers and his receivers are going to make something happen. Well, you know, Bradley was asked about that in, in his, not in our conference call with him, but in, talking to his own media, which Ryan passed along to me. He said, quote, when you look at a team like this, you're trying to limit explosive plays. You look at them and say, when do the explosive plays occur? And a lot of these explosive plays occur when he's out of the pocket. This is not like all quarterbacks. That really jumps out at you. He has the ability to extend plays. If you try to really push the pocket and condense it, he can go over the top. If you get too wide with your rush, he will sneak through the B gap and extend the play. You have to have a plan for that and understand that. Then the DBs and the linebackers have to be tied to it. It is not just the back three. It's not the corners and the safety that has to be. It is the underneath the coverage, too, where explosive plays come because they extend the plays. That is the guys for us we are really harping on. Now, there's one key in this that could work in Jacksonville's favor, and that is guard Lane Taylor. Now, I'm, when the Packers got rid of sitting on Saturday, I, I talked to a, a very knowledgeable guy in, in the NFL about the impact of that move, and he put on something really good. When Rodgers extends plays, you know, one, one, the key here for him is he doesn't care about his offensive tackles, Brian Balog and David Bakhtiari, because he figures that he can make one guy miss. And if, you know, if Bakhtiari and Balaga steer the guys outside the pocket, then Balaga steps up, or Balaga, geez, Rodgers steps up into the pocket and then moves left to right to extend. Well, he's been able to do that because the inside of the pocket has been so darn good when they had sitting at left guard, T.J. Lang at right guard, and Corey Lindsley at center. Well, obviously it's Treader at center now, and Lang's still at right guard, or J.C. Treader at center. But it's now Lane Taylor at left guard instead of sitting. The question is, will Taylor be able to protect well enough to allow Rodgers to escape? You know, he's going to go up against Malik Jackson, maybe not all the time, but quite a bit. I, mean, I would assume the Jaguars are going to stick Jackson over Lane Taylor a lot to see, what, to see if Taylor's up to the task and see if they can kind of ruin... Green Bay's run game and Green Bay's, you know, extend the play passing attack because Jackson's able to push that pocket so much up the middle. So that'll be an interesting thing. And to me, it really is one of the, the matchups inside the matchups is, is Lane Taylor up to the task. He didn't have a great preseason and, and during some one-on-one stuff at Wednesday's practice, he got bull rushed back by Mike Daniels badly. And then he got beaten on quickness by practice squad guy, Brian Price. So not a, not a great day at the office for Lane Taylor doesn't give, you know, if, if I were a coach, I wouldn't have a whole lot of confidence here. But you go back to last year's game against the Vikings at home when Sitton played left tackle and Lane Taylor stepped in left guard, and he played really, really well in that game. And I think that has to be what the Packers are banking on. Otherwise, it's not going to be too long before Don Barclay 
is the starting left guard of this team. Before we get to third down, I would like to remind you that this episode of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com. For a short time, new subscribers get two free months. Just select a one-month option and type in NFL Kickoff, all one word, into the coupon code. Now, I know you can get a lot of free content everywhere, and there's a lot of bloggers and stuff who just basically rip off our stuff because they don't have access to the team. Well, I'm there every day. Basically, I'm one of three writing outlets that have access to the team. It's me and Gannett and ESPN. Well, I bring some different stuff to the table, including the world's best preview, which I'm hoping to get out by Friday night. This week, it's it's a look at the Super Bowl in context of some legacies of Ted Thompson, and I got Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers one-on-one yesterday. I'm hoping to get Aaron Rodgers today. And, I, and I'm running this because, you know, look at Leroy Butler, a Hall of Fame caliber player, but the Packers won one Super Bowl. You know, if they win Super Bowl 32, is a different story for Butler. Because, you know, if you, he hasn't even gotten past the first stage of voting. But he was a heck of a good player, and he was really the third best player in that team. And I just wonder if, if they get two Super Bowls, is Leroy Butler a Hall of Fame player? So that's kind of what I'm going with. And I'll also have deep looks inside the Jaguars, especially at their defense, which I kind of hit on here previously, but I'll go further in depth than that. And I basically had a one-on-one with Blake Bortles in the conference call yesterday. So I have a lot of stuff in there. And hey, look, if you run a business and you want to speak directly to Packer fans, you really should consider sponsoring this podcast. One, our rates are reasonable. Two, our listeners are who you want to advertise to. And three, a recent survey by Edison Research found that 65% of podcast listeners said podcast ads are more likely to or to get them to purchase a product, and 45% said they visit a sponsor's webpage site after hearing a message. So email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com for more information on demographics and rates. And also email me, and I forgot to mention this before, I'm looking for Packer jokes. I had a couple sent in that first day I mentioned it. I'm looking for Packer jokes to kind of put these into maybe our, our Friday podcast. So I, I don't know if there's any Jacksonville Jaguars jokes out there, but you know what? Chicago Bears, Vikings, Lions, those jokes never go out of style. And I don't care if people have heard the jokes a thousand times. I'll read them for a thousand and one. So got any jokes? Again, packwriter2002 at yahoo.com, and I'll, uh, I'd love to read them. Third down, it's special teams and some real challenges here for Green Bay. First, Jacksonville's good here. I mean, these things kind of swing up and down based on rosters. But last year, Jacksonville ranked number three in the Dallas Morning News annual uh, special teams rankings. Um, they ranked 11th in mine, um, which is a, a little uh, a little less in depth than uh, than the Morning News is, but kind of just hits on really the key categories. But you know, no matter the numbers you're looking to it, it's a really good group, and this is the challenge that Green Bay has got. Punter Tim Mastay, gone. Long snapper Rick Lovato, gone. Top gunner Jeff Janis, broken hand, practicing with a club. He practiced a bit, but I don't know if the guy can I don't know if the guy can help you on special teams with one hand. Cornerback Dimitri Goodson, suspended. Safety Chris Banjo hasn't practiced with a hamstring. Outside linebacker Jaron Elliott hasn't practiced with a hamstring. Those are some of the most important guys from last year's special teams. And if you take the specials out of that, I mean you could argue that. Elliott, Janice, Banjo, Goodson were the four most important players on last year's special teams. And, you know, I don't think Banjo and Elliott are going to play. Obviously, Goodson's not going to play. And I'm not sure that, that Janice is going to play. So that's, that's a lot of things going on there. And now you've got to break, on a, break, break in a new snapper-holder combination. I realize that the new snapper, Brett Good has a ton of history. 
but he doesn't have any history with the punter, um, Jake Shum. And obviously Shum's the holder here too. So, you know, if I'm Jacksonville, you know, I asked special teams coordinator Ron Zook about this. Jacksonville is a return team. So he doesn't expect the Jaguars to go to try to block a punt or block a, to, yeah, to, to block a punt here. But he's certainly not ruling out either. I mean, as, as he said, as only Ron Zook can say, he expects the Jaguars to check their oil. So Ron's got a great, great bunch of little one-liners like that. So, you know, I, you know, the, the Jaguars, the Jaguars did really well last year was return kicks. So Green Bay is going to have changes in coverage, and they're going to have a whole bunch of rookies out there, and their core guys might not be there. I think it's a a major uh, question mark, especially special teams is always a question mark this time of year, you know, because everyone's breaking in new depth charts. I mean, everyone's got. You know, maybe lost two or three of their number one unit guys. You know, on, on the final cuts, or lost them in free agency, or or maybe they got hurt. So there, there's always there's always changes here. So it's always the wild card. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. And I think it's really amplified this week with all the major personnel guys that that Green Bay has lost. Um, you know, on the bright side, you know, Brett Good looks like Brett Good. Apparently, they've they've tested him against rushers, and his snaps are good and. You know, yesterday at practice, the last thing we saw was a field goal drill where, where Mason Crosby made all six. So you think maybe they'll be okay with the snapper holder stuff, but look, you don't know until the games come. So we'll uh, we'll see on Sunday, but this could be a definite wild card in who wins this game. And before I get the fourth down, I'd like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network. We have Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy for, for that national stuff. Ryan O'Halloran of the Florida Times Union and Locked On Jaguars is unbelievable, and I we had a million listeners. Well, not quite a million, but we had a, you know thousands of listeners to our to our um, crossover behind enemy lines podcast with Ryan. If you haven't listened to it, it's great information on the Jaguars and some matchups. It's about thirty minutes. Uh, my questions to him take up the back half of that. So if you want just the Jacksonville perspective, you know you can listen to the second half of the podcast. It's great, great stuff. So, again, Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy, Lockdown Jaguars. Great stuff for you to get ready for this week's games. On the fourth down, and just some quick odds and ends here. First, the weather. You look, every December and January, there's a gigantic storyline with Lambeau Field and, and visiting teams coming. Well, this is a big storyline here with Green Bay going on the Jacksonville. Now, earlier in the week, Mike McCarthy had a really great stat where he said that in training camp, Jacksonville's um, – Average highs has only been six degrees higher than Green Bay. And Green Bay had humidity, and we've had humidity here all summer. So he was about as confident as you could be that his guys would be ready for what's to come physically. Heck, this could be a total spin job, and I, and I assume it probably is. Here's the forecast, at least as I looked it up yesterday. High of 94, sunny, and a real field temperature because of the humidity of 102. I mean, that is downright miserable. We had some days around here of... Of low 90s, so I, you know, again, this isn't going to be like total shock to the system stuff, but 104 is bad news, and I'm I wouldn't want to play in it. And you know, I asked uh, the quarterback Blake Bortles about that yesterday in his conference call, and he, I mean, he's a lifelong Florida guy. He grew up there, played at Central Florida. He's used to this, but he's not used to it. He says, you know, he goes outside every day, and, and it still just hits him. So I think that's something to watch, and I'm gonna get into more of this tomorrow, but. I, mean, I really fear this is going to impact the Packers and their defensive line. So we're going to get into that in Friday's podcast, but I think it's a major issue. Um, 
another odds in here. Luke Getzey, I asked the Packers receivers coach about his group, saying, "Is there been talk about this being a bounce back year?" You know, obviously without Nelson, it really hurt everybody else. You know, Randall Cobb didn't have a great year, which he's admitted. You know, part of it was the Nelson injury and the bullseye going on him, and he had a preseason shoulder injury, which he fought through all year. Devontae Adams didn't have a good year. In fact, if you just look at the stats, is historically, you know, the worst receiving season by a Packer receiver since uh, since they started keeping yards per target and target data in 1992. So he was terrible, and you know, it it, it really hurt the offense. Well, I asked Getzey, has there been talk about a bounce back here? And Getzey said, "Quote: I've never even brought that up. I've never thought about it. No one in our room has even. We haven't talked about it. We've just been moving forward with where we're at, and we're really excited." Or each guy has gone each and every day. It feels like everyone in that room has gotten better. Everybody in that room has gotten better, so I'm really excited to see how they show up on Sunday. And finally, we talked to offensive lineman, offensive line coach James Campen, and in a, a shocking surprise, he talked for, to us for 11 minutes, and every single question was about Josh Sitton, Lane Taylor, and how they go forward. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go with the, the looking forward thing here. You know, he he said. You know, he said he, that Sitton was a great player, and and they'll miss him. And he'll miss him personally. And he said he said all the right things about how Lane Taylor is ready for this. He looks. You know, what's he going to say, right? So he was the very last question was by Ryan Wood of the, of the Press Gazette. He says, you know, how about a hangover? Because I mean, clearly, the, when we talked to the lineman on on Monday, now these guys were were still hurting. No. My contention is that they'll be fine because they're professionals and they've been trained for years to bounce back and, and this hangover won't be an issue on Sunday. We'll see. But Campen was asked the same question. Will there be a hangover? And here's what Campen said. You just have to look at this. You just have to, excuse me. You just have to look at it this way. It's an opportunity for others. Like you asked me, you said saying goodbye to a player. I mean, Josh will always be a special person in my heart. I had him for eight years. Great relationship. Heck of a football player. Now, here's the money line here. Certainly, this offensive line will be ready to go play Jacksonville. It will be ready. We'll see about that. It's clearly one of the keys to Sunday's game. And and with that, we wrap up today's Locked On Packers podcast. I will talk to you tomorrow once again with an emphasis on the defense. So have a great day, everybody. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.